Welcome to In The Change Room, your favorite reggae podcast made possible by Bright Rock. I'm your host, Giovanni Bobo. With me, I've got Katie Van der former rugby writer, current head of communications at Supersport. Welcome, Clinton. Good to be here. Thank Good you. Good to be here. And with him is Johan Kutsia, the rugby editor of Supersport.com, who says he dabbles now and then with a bit of a pen. <laughs> How are you doing, John? I'm very well and you. Not too bad. Uh, this is it, uh, fellas and, and ladies and gentlemen out there. Uh, we're going to be sitting in the change room and trying to get into what has been the most interesting time in South African rugby when the 31-man squad was named by Russell Rasmus to go to the World Cup 2019 in Japan. Well, for me, gentlemen, let's get right into it. Let's talk about this team. I mean, this team has probably been the easiest, I could say, South African Springbok touring squad or World Cup team that we've come up in the last, I could say, six World Cups. Shocking, isn't it? No controversy. No controversy. No complaints. Besides the off the fields, but no controversy <laughs> at all. Yeah, quite. Well, let's see Let's see how they play. But uh, it's been refreshing and it's it's terrific that you get the sense that everybody is backing them, everybody is supporting them, and uh, long may it last. Long may it last. Johan, uh, I mean, we look at this, uh, we, we think about the team, how it's sort of developed and grown in the last few bits. Uh, 57 nil in Albany really comes up to mind. Uh, seeing this team, no one really had any complaints about the composition. Yeah, that almost never happens. And, and certainly it's tough to think of, of someone not in that squad that should be there. Uh, the, the guys that were unlucky to miss out mostly through injury. Um, yeah, as, as Clinton said, long may this last. And, uh, um, if, if we can stay happy for the next three months, you know, we'd all love that, wouldn't we? Uh, I'm always like the kind of person who becomes cynical when I look at squads and teams. Um, to me, somehow, the way that the team is put out there, it sort of shows intent of uh, what the coach is thinking. What do you think is Russ's thinking? I mean, in terms of the composition of the players that he's picked, he's taken uh, uh, three hookers, he's taken uh, three scrum-offs, um, fly-offs, just what, what is your take? 17-14 uh, split in the forwards? Yeah, I think it's a quaint notion that a team like the Springboks or the All Blacks won't show their hand. You know, that they'll go out there and say, OK, let's just try a few other things. I think it's always full-blooded. And mm. it's going to be like that. We, we face Japan this week. Uh, and obviously, with, that's with one eye on, uh, on the All Blacks uh, uh, two weeks beyond that. Um, and it's going to be full throttle, no question. Um, I think he's got the balance right. I think largely got the bench right. Johan and I have had a discussion about uh, how important the bench is. And my suspicion is that, is that Russi will get it right again. I mean, for me, what really comforts me is the fact we've got three leaders in that loose forward. We've got Dwayne Vermeer and Peter Steph Detroit and Sia Colisi really up against time. I mean, it was touch and go there how his knee is going to go. I mean, Johan, seeing that progress and how the Springboks have managed that. Yeah, that was handled perfectly. And the timing, let's face it, was perfect as well. If he didn't make the comeback when he had to, a lot would have had to change in terms of leadership. But we have him back now. He went through the last game without any issues. So played much longer than he was expected to. So great stuff. Let's hope he goes well on Friday as well. As for Dwayne, what, what a person. He just saw the Bulls this year, what a change just his presence made. Uh, you play with him, the Bulls, is, and without him, the Bulls are two completely different sides. He brings a lot, a lot of knowledge, and he instills confidence in everyone playing with him. And, and yeah, he's very, very valuable. I mean, the, the, there was a test match when, he, when Dwayne came back. I think it was the second test match. Scored the try um, against England in Bloemfontein. 
I mean, to me, that mocked the man that he is. He was up against uh, a Vinopola. We know that somewhere in between, we might meet England in, in this World Cup. I mean, where do you assess him? Where do you see him as the eight now, a dominant eight in the world? Yeah, it's interesting because he's, he's not a classical number eight, you know, with the soft hands and things like that. But uh, he's very physical. He gets in people's faces. He, uh, he intimidates. Um, and and I think he's a sort of player that his teammates look up to. And you know, there was a bit of chatter last year about the way he was rallying the box forwards, and people say, "Hang on, but isn't that mm -hmm. Sia's job?" But the great thing is they they do a great tag team together. And and Sia's big enough and mature enough to mm -hmm. say, "Okay, Dwayne, you handle this for me." Mm -hmm. You know, so Dwayne will take ownership of that. And Good think, cop, bad cop, five. Exactly. <laughs> so that chemistry is pivotal as well. Yeah. So it's not Dwayne on his own. It's as you said, the whole back row just gels together, works together. They know each other very well and that's to the benefit of the, the whole side yeah and, they, and I mean in terms of mindset when you see that what I mean I know you guys sort of talked about the bench this impact of this bench as, as we talk about it how big is this for our success for this tournament yeah I've, I've heard it said um, when we played in Argentina the last rugby championship game can't remember who but they said uh, the two world-class front rows on the field today, unfortunately for Argentina, both are South African. <laughs> <laughs> lovely. That's a lovely one. I love that. As the opponents, you know that you're one scrum away from having to face Trevor and you don't want that. So, you know, sure. you, 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 there's always that in the back of the mind. When, when do I change? When do I have to make my, will my bench be able to match that? And it's a great psychological thing to have you know, in, in your, in your favour. Um, that, that is the genius of, of the current team is that bench, that bench is probably the best in the world and and it will be the one it, it's a bench good enough that even a bit against the best side in the world they can bring back a 10 point deficit easy they're that good i mean it's it's happened um we we used to say south africa falls away in uh in the last six in the last 20 in the last quarter of a, of a test match all of a sudden we're looking around we've got probably the better choices to bring on Exactly. And I, I think it's a trick that not all teams have taken on board. Yeah. You know, it's not just about your, your 15. You know, it's, it it's, is. it's the other guys. And, and they are utterly critical. And, and your match could be won or lost on your, on your bench, you know, who, who you change and who you don't. I mean, for me, for me, Clinton, when I, when I, when, when you talk about depth in the squad, I, I found it as a player, it, it was one thing that really kept you sharp. Uh, you woke up every morning knowing that you, you've got a chance now not to just get better and well, if, if you are better than the guy who's starting or you're the one who's been chosen to start, you know the confidence that you get from that because now you know your preparation has been right. By the time you get to the game, you sort of feel like, you know what, I've got a chance and an opportunity. It's almost you, you get a comfort sort of feeling of knowing you can clear your engine and empty up the tank. And sort of your thoughts on, on, on how this sort of pans out. I mean, we never had a four-year plan. All of a sudden, it's worked out. Yeah, I think for all the camaraderie, and it's, it's evident, uh, there's, there's also deep competitiveness with the, within the squad, and it's exactly as you say. Uh, no sure things. You've got you've to you know, give uh, everything when you're playing a test match. And I think that is, is one of the, the great successes of Russi's tenure, is that it, there is this depth. We could put out two test 15s of, of probably comparable standard. Uh, and that's a tremendous position to be in, but it also says to you, you know, no room for complacency. You know, you no slacking here. Okay, Bubs, can, yeah. I, can I ask you, can we stay on this subject yeah. quickly? As a player, how does it work on a personal level when you know 
that someone in your position in that squad is supposed to be your best friend, <laughs> but he's also your worst enemy because you have yeah. to, you know, you're competing for that position. How do you, how do you handle that? It's, it's uh, I mean, I think first of all, it's professional courtesy to make him better. Just for my side, mm. I I think by pushing each other and you know once you start training with the player, you sort of know their weaknesses and their strengths, mm. uh, and you know what you need to do to sort of get yourself into a better position to be in the side, which is uh, it, it is a bit of a pull and take, uh, give and take most of the time. But I find it was much easier when we were both in it for the bigger picture. Um, a good example was me moving to the Stormers, uh, getting to Cape Town at that time. Uh, Jean Tavilles was playing inside centre. My all intention was to play inside centre, and uh, and and we're having a chat to to Brendan Fenter, who was our defensive coach, mm. and him sort of explaining to us that Bose, you're a bit uh, over the age, you're a bit slower. You're much more physical. You can defend at 12. Jean, um, you're much quicker than Bose. You can defend at 13. So at the end, we ended up playing uh, left and right. So defensively, I was defending at 12. On attackers, running at 13. And that's how you sort of work that sort of like easy could be a friction or you could easily just push people away. So the whole thing is about focusing on how you can get better for the bigger picture. Because in other ways... Uh, there's nothing worse than that negative Nigel who walks around the corridors, who just keeps mm. on dragging everyone down. Drains the energy. It just drains. I mean, the the one the one person that you really don't like in the team is a guy who's always sulking when he's not in the squad, but once he's in the team, he wants everyone else to sort of give him a high five. And mm. now we're a team now. Mm. So you have to watch that, and 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 it is, it is an energy thing, and it's important for the squad. So players. Uh, just get on with it and make sure that you guys can push each other to make each other better. I like this idea of what you're talking about, about left and right centre. Mm. Of course, Clinton, I don't know if you know that this guy played SA schools at flank. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do. Uh, does not. It's, uh, <laughs> it's crazy, but I think it you know, obviously had, uh, had decent hands as a, yeah. as a flank uh, it, it, to, it to was, make that transition. It was one of those things. I think I was way too loose. I was standing around the centre's position all the time that, it didn't matter what jersey I had on my back. <laughs> so they didn't want to tell me that you're too loose as a loose forward. Maybe you should stand in the back line. So that was the case. Am I mistaken when, I, when I'm saying that Bucky Sporter also played flank? That, yeah, that Bucky Sporter. Bucky Sporter played flank. Luckily, um, that was, so then the, the, I was 207, 206. Uh, no, 97, 97 96. 96. Uh, Bucky's on the 98. Uh, he's when he went and played for a lock, but uh, he was moved. He was moved from yeah. He was moved from lock to flank when he came to the senior mm. situation. But yeah, Bakis was uh, was a tough boy. Yeah. Since you we were young, he was uh, <laughs> he was a very strange one because Jonathan Borter. It was quite cool because uh, Bobo Borter. So all our numbers were tours and all of that going yeah. to touring with him in the nineteens, and it was just such a jolly good boy. He was always he had a joke on him. And uh, when you saw him blowing kisses, then you knew he hurt someone. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's really interesting about Bucky's? Uh, that Bucky's and Donnie so were the scrum off and fly off for the Pumalanga on the 13th side. Yeah. Unreal. Which, which begs the question, how big was that pack? Well, well uh, and then, then they stopped eating vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Donny Russo, what a talent. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm, I, mean, I mean, you could see that he could play in those positions. But gentlemen, uh, we digress. Uh, let's go back to the Rugby World Cup. Uh, the All Blacks named their squad. Owen Franks is a glaring sort of name that sticks out there. Uh, Clint, do you think... 
the Springboks are looking at that and thinking, hmm, you've done us a favour. Well, ironically, uh, yesterday I saw the All Blacks put out the all-time World Cup 15, and guess who was there? Oh, and Franks. Yeah, yeah Mr. Mm-hmm. Mr. Franks himself, which is remarkable. Uh, Hanson, listen, Hanson played open cards. He said, we're looking for, for props for more, more mobile. We had a very honest discussion. Uh, Franks is obviously upset, but he understands our position. Um, I think it's a gamble. You know, it's, if, to my mind, it's the one position you can concede. You know, what you want him to do is scrum. Yes. And that's what he does very well. What There's no about? negotiation about that. The mm. thing is, a mobile prop doesn't matter if he's mobile if you're going backwards in the scrum. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's how mobile yeah. he is, is going backwards. And, and the, thing yeah. with, the thing with Franks is um, he's, he's always been bothered with an Achilles injury. And then he had that mm. fixed like two years ago. And, and he says he's in the form of his life. You know, he's faster than he used to be. He's fitter than he was before the previous World Cup. So, yeah, I think it's a bit, it's a bit of, a, mm. of a setback for him personally. But, yeah. Did they do us a favour? Yeah, of course they did. <laughs> <laughs> they did us a favour. I mean, another interesting factor for me was the, the Liam Squire, um, uh, a player looking after his mental health, uh, knowing what value he brings into the squad and what energy he wants to look and feel when he's there. That's big of him because I don't think there's too many guys who have sort of said, you know, I'm not ready. It, you know, mental health increasingly is becoming one of the big, big talking issues in, in world sport. And I think primarily out of America. And then finally in, in Britain, it's become a, become a factor mm. too. Um, and it's spreading through rugby as well. And I, I, it's not that it's something new, but I think it's finally people are starting to talk about it. They're mm. starting to acknowledge it. And that's important. And I think people will look back at this as quite an important watershed for rugby. Mm. Um, it is important. And, and credit to him for being that open. And credit for rugby for embracing it. Uh, and locally, we had the, the Swiss... Uh, Correct. The brain, brain issue, yeah. As well. Um, yes, it's not only uh, is it for players that have mental health issues and that rugby can embrace that, but because players can speak up, players that are famous, and mm. normal people with mental health issues, all of a sudden you're taking away a bit of the stigma, and, and, I, and I'm glad to see that. It's, it's good that sports people take up, because it's a very important course. Quite right. I think, I think being vulnerable is, is it's a good space, especially for these young, talented players. I mean, you, you play at your early 20s to your late 20s. I mean, you're still a growing young man, and you are going to face problems. No one is perfect. And for me, I just see it, uh, like you said, it's an, it's an positive light. All of a sudden now we care about what happens to an individual. It's a much more holistic approach nowadays. I mean, I guess the social media has brought something good. Yeah. <laughs> in that well, space. well, in fact, and that's, how he, that's how he said on his Instagram page. Yeah. You know, that's how he explained it. So um, it has been good. Yeah. And um, uh, Bob's a question for you. What do yeah. you make of Lamarpi being. Uh, well, for me, for me, I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm I've uh, I've had I've had this sort of debate within myself about what type of player he is and what does he bring to the squad. Um, to to the point of Steve Henson saying that he wants a mobile pack, that means then you need a, a link in your backline that can keep that together. Someone who can organise that running around and making sure you can stress teams and put them under threat. Um, Mlaumapa is really done well in terms of improving. I mean, he, he's just a natural-born try-scorer. He, he makes yards, but the organizational skills of a man like a Ryan Crotty and what he brings and, and the calmness that he gives to, to a young flower like Richie Mawanga, and he has done that at the Crusaders, three-peat, all right? And then at the All Blacks, who've been 
dominant for the last four years, helping up Bolden Barrett, who we know. I mean, before that, Bolden Barrett was being um, the player of the year for two years in a row, right? But then who was on his inside? Mm. That's when you sort of recognise how important and how vital a cog is to have a player like a Ryan Crotty who can mm. run that. Also, let, let's not forget the fact that the All Blacks have tweaked their game plan a little this year. So mm. they're playing with the two first receivers. Yeah. They're bringing back a it up from 15 as a first receiver, so they have a first receiver both sides of the breakdown, and that means you need a guy outside it who can to read give it a bit and of make voice those calls and, and make that. I mean, they they had they were they were lucky first. Um, Conrad Smith uh, is a man of intelligence, mm. so he the, the the one thing in rugby that is always difficult is getting the outside backs to give a bit of voice onto the inside backs mm. of where there's space, where there's threat, or even just transitional play. Just that communication's always been a problem. So when you got someone who can bring you that into your backline, this is when you sort of get that continuity now. Which is exactly what Lukanyo Arm is doing for us. Which is what Lukanyo does for us, especially mm. on transitional play and that's how you play. So that's how I feel about that situation. But the the two pivots playing together, the first test for me against Australia and the Bladislaw, uh, I felt that the guys were sitting on each other's toes. It almost felt like Mawango was saying this, standing at 10, going, uh, do you want to come in, sir? Uh, Bowden, uh, I'll take the next one. And that's why I felt that it was almost the attack was not Yeah, you don't, you don't want two generals at the head of an army, do you? Yeah, that's uh, so Either they are too generous to each other and say, mm. yeah, yeah, it's your turn, uh, I'll, I won't take this one. Or, or they compete. Yeah, I, would, mm. I want to take every ball because, you know, I don't want you to look good. I, that's... It's a tough one to manage on the field, and if something goes wrong, as he did in Bledisloe 1, mm. and as it did against us, uh, and in the Wellington test, if something goes wrong, normally there's one guy that has to fix it now. Yeah. You know, whose responsibility is it if you have two first receivers? It's, it's an interesting one. I'd, I'd, I don't think it's worked for them. It's worked in that one test, Bledisloe 2. So far this year, no, it's... And do you, do you revisit that? I think, well, think Clint thinks there's a problem. I think well, well in fact, there is a problem. Because, <laughs> in fact, Barrett might be coming back in at, at, at 10. And, and that's because there's concerns around Moanga. He's carrying injury from Super Rugby. So, for instance, this weekend, they're playing a baby, Joshuaani, at 10 against Tonga. Mm. So, things are changing, you know. Do we do we know the full story around Mawanga? What are they going to do? Are they really going to risk, if Mawanga's injured, playing this, playing this kid at 10? Or are they going to bring Barrett back? Um, and they... They're routinely able to bring to bring good players through, and I think the great gift of the All Blacks is the ability to adjust. We saw in the space of a week, you know, Bledisloe one and Bledisloe two. In fact, I'll I'll di uh, disagree with you, and I think you might find that their most important game of the year, apart from the World Cup itself, is 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 the is the match of the box or one because what it is. Do you want a team going in being a little bit overconfident or do you want a team like the All Blacks who learn from their mistakes and they know not to do them do it again in the World Cup? So to my mind, those matches might in fact be more important because they know what they did wrong and they know they shouldn't do it again. I still think it's the fact that they were able to fix it and then when they fixed it, they got confidence from the fact that they were able to fix it. Yes. If, if Bledis Low 2 was another loss, you know, we wouldn't be looking back at it and say yeah, they learned out of the mistakes. So it's... Uh, um, yeah, you're right in one way, I'm right in the other. Let's, let's call that a <laughs> Curry Cup final 2019. It's a young lion side that travels to Bloemfontein. Uh, gents, your thoughts on these? Yeah, I like the fact that it's a young lion's team is very exciting because we were talking earlier about the All Blacks uh, 
always able to slot in new players. The Lions are the first South African team that that is able to do that. You lose a lot of players, but you find new ones and bring them in. I like that. Uh, Tyrone Green. Tyrone Green, Superman from day one. Wow, what a great story. But same with Sean Reynolds. They've got a lot of young talent there coming through. Exciting. And then there's Stian Pina. To me, Stian Pina is really leaps and bounds the way that he's really carried himself. He's a youngster. He's taken opportunity that was created by injuries. He's been, what's been impressive for me is the way that he just fits himself into the game. He's, he's just a big ball carrying winger. Uh, and it's always helpful to play on the left wing because everyone passes better that way. Yeah, but uh, now the cheetahs, can I can I ask you about the cheetahs? Yeah. What, what do you make of them, and where, where do you put them? Should they win this final in this year's Pro 14? I see. I see the cheetahs. I mean, this is an interesting question because I, I was speaking to to Gavin Cowley about it. I was saying the cheetahs. If you have to consider the cheetahs that they play in the Pro 14, they play against international sides. Who in the cheetah side is in an international team? That's how well, not one. They don't have a single spring now. <laughs> so, so that's yeah. how difficult Pro 14 is for them. Well, in fact, you mentioned Pinar earlier. I think you were speaking about the, the wrong one, or you speak about the other one. What a difference has Ruan Pinar made. He comes on. Geez, he's still got a lot of game left in him. He's organised. He's quick. Uh, he's been, to my mind, he's been very impressive. What, what I've always liked about Ruan is a natural uh, baller. He's a natural rugby player. That's why he can play in every position. And uh, what's good about when he can play in every position is that you've got a bit of sympathy and you empathise with everyone else in their position and how you drive the team. What he done at, uh, for Ulster throughout when he was playing, mm. he was driving that side. And that's the invaluable experience that you're going to have in the Curry Cup final. Yeah, no, you, so. you, you, you want to know how good Ruan Pina is? Com- compare Tian Skuman, the number 10, before he played with Ruan and, and now that he is playing. Yes. It's, it's a different person. I, and and that's, that's, that's a quality in the scrum off you want. Uh, Farida Priya used to be like that. You never saw a fly-off look bad outside Farida Priya. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy Ruan's back. Man. May a lot of the guys come back and blow back again. And there's one thing I really despise is predictions. But I want to say, how do you see the Lions winning this game? If they had to, Clint. Well, in fact, it, it, it depends a lot on the on the free state. In fact, what they've been doing in the last couple of weeks is they, you know, they give up 15, 16 points and then they just come flying back. And I don't think that's going to be enough against a side like the Lions. The Lions are going to grind you down. As we saw last week in the semifinals against Greek, was they forced them into making mistakes. And I think that's a pretty similar thing they'll do. They'll rely on their fitness and hope that cheaters do make mistakes. And we know that you know, it's part of their DNA. They score tons of tries, but they leak a lot too. On the same vein, Johan? Um, I'm, I'm going cheetahs. Um, without any real reason, I think the you game itself... You know me in Joburg, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the game itself will be high-scoring and messy. I know that for a fact. I just like the idea of the Curry Cup being in Bloemfontein for another year because every single time the Free State wins a Curry Cup, there's a great story to be told about it. Whereas, <laughs> you already said the Lions always win in a World Cup. Yeah, let's change that. Let's Something, something fresh, please. Well, to be fair, for many, the the Cheetahs are are everyone's second favourite team. So, um, you know, I don't think too many will begrudge them a win. Although I'm going to I'm going to differ with uh, with Johan and say it's it's going to be the Lions' weekend. I'm I'm very happy. I don't do those things. (laughs) (laughs) It's a cop out. (laughs) It's a very it's a big 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 cop out. But I think that the Cheetahs are favourites, especially at home, the way that they've gone about it. I think the experience might just make them prevail. Oxen chain all the other players in the side that have really shown up. So, Bloemfontein, if you're listening, go out and support that game, man. Let's fill that stadium. Let's Please. Show, let's show them that Curry Cup is still alive. Let's show the country. Let's show the world, man. That Love it. Great. Love it.
And on that note, as we end every podcast, we feature a snippet halftime chats with Seven Gessie as he interviews one of our favorite rugby personalities. This week, he chats with the trailblazing rugby referee, Amy Barrett Theron. Can someone please give her the Curry Cup final 2020 next year? So, one thing that for me, that I have two very close friends, Rasta Egon Seconds, who are both referees. And I look at refereeing differently now that I have a close friend of mine. I know how you guys want to get everything perfect and you guys don't want to make mistakes and you don't want to cost anyone anything. And it, cause I know a lot of referees love rugby. How has that changed in your life about being accountable for yourself? Have you become more accountable as the days have gone on? Or because you know, if you made a mistake, you know, how's the accountability of being a referee? Do you have moments of going, I made a mistake? Or do you go, you know, mm, I need to get better. How do you, how do you go to sleep? Because I know for me as a rugby player, if I make a mistake, I know that I'm very hard on myself. For you, a mistake that you make is, is you know, you could break the whole game. Yeah, it's a really big deal. And I think the better we prepare, the less those mistakes happen. But at the end of the day, we're human. And I think that was the, one of the biggest learnings for me is when I first started uh, refing. Firstly, I thought it would be easy because I've yeah. been playing for so long. Yeah. Um, and then I actually realized it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And um, yeah, getting into, getting into the game, you start to realize the more you stay true to your personality, the more you, you feel the game rather yeah. than find all the technicalities. Uh, you end up uh, reffing a better game, but those mistakes do happen. Mm. And um, it's all about how you deal with them. So I think what, what one of my goals as a referee, I, I've tried to build that relationship with the players, the coaches. I don't go out there to be the army sergeant. I don't go out there to fight. I don't go out there to ruin anyone's day. And I hope in return, no one else goes to ruin my day, you know? Um, and if you do make a mistake, I've, I find one of the biggest things after, you know, even during the game, I said, uh, I have been questioned by the players. I'm like, listen, I actually think I got that wrong. Oh wow! Uh, you said, <laughs> yeah, and it's and players like it's it's unreal for them, and they they don't expect it, but they also I don't want to go out and confuse them. I don't want to mm. force my picture on them because they're like, but last week Rasta blew it like this, and now you blowing it like this. Mm. You know, sometimes you do make a mistake, and sometimes you're like, listen, that was a fifty-fifty, and I like to look on review, mm. um, and even after the game, there's always some good discussion points, and it's important to learn. You know, mm. we have a saying like, every day is a school day. You have to learn from every game. You have to keep improving um, in order to become that better referee. Even the guys, I spent a week again with my good friend, Yaku Paper. I spent, <laughs> I spent a good week with him in, in Auckland, and it was just incredible to... He's learning, and he's easily one of the top in the world. And he learns every week, and every game, every situation... Uh, in the tournament, the World Cup, there will be loads of learning that will every referee will go through. And I think if you keep doing that from game to game, um, you'll keep challenging yourself, you'll keep becoming better. But as soon as you, you become complacent, the game will take you over, you know? Sam, you're a full-time biokineticist. You're a full-time referee. Like, when you're in the game and you're running around and there's an injury, do you ever see an injury and go, ah, oh, ACL, Ooh. That's going to be nine months straight forward. Ooh, rehab's going to be expensive. Does it ever happen to you when you see an injury? You're like, I see that. I know what just happened. Yes, absolutely. And that's been an, I think it's been an asset to my refing because then I know, listen, guys, we need to stop the game. This is something serious. And um, rugby, it's the nature of the game. There are going to be injuries. And I think my biokinetics background, 
I have seen some some interesting things, and it's sometimes helpful for me to to step in and assist with the first aid and especially those those unfortunate knee injuries. I know what's going on, and I I know the the future path that that gent has is going to go through, but. Um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it helps me as far one of our guidelines is uh, the safety of the players. So especially those head injuries, there's been a lot of focus on that. And, and you can tell, I know how to test for concussion. I know some of the signs and symptoms. And SA Rugby do a, a great program with the Boxmark program, and they teach us as well. So from all angles, we know what's going on. And we even had an incident on the weekend where we had to um, take one of the, the players off because he was he was unsteady on his feet. So it helps me as a referee. Um, sometimes, shame, it's quite uncomfortable because I know that this poor boy, is he's going to be out for a little while. Gone. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, that's all part of the game. Halftime Chat is made just for you by Brightrock. Love change. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to In The Change Room on Iona FM, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen.